20 of the All the Books show recorded at the David A. Howe Public Library. We talk book news, author news, and literary news. I'm Eric Nichols. And I'm Nick Gunning. And today we're joined by a special guest. Kate Miller. Because November is, is it Picture Book Month? Yes. November National is, Picture Book Month. Well, I couldn't find a hashtag, but Kate informs us that it's National Picture Book Month. So we're here to talk about some picture books. Well, Kate, thanks for joining us. I know what? that you, I know that you love doing the podcast. So, oh boy, one of my least favorite things. But I'm wow. here. Look at that! Wow. Well, at <laughs> least the least start, favorite thing on air. We're starting with honesty. Do I cut that or is that good. censorship? No, no, it needs to stay. <laughs> oh my gosh, it needs to stay. All right, so we are going to be talking about some of our favorite childhood picture books, um, as well as some that Kate has selected for this month. And are you talking about your favorite childhood? Yeah. Before My we started, favorite childhood? Before we started, there was a whole ordeal of Eric trying to find a specific Sesame Street book. I found it. I don't want to give anything away. You gave it away. Oh. I'm not going to share the title. Okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah. That's all right. All right. Well, let's, Will I uh, find it? Let's start by diving into the old bookmark, seeing what we've been reading. Bookmark. Kate, what about you? Have you been reading anything exciting lately? Uh, not so much exciting, but I've been reading. Okay. Um, I was recommended the Terry Brooks series, the Shannara uh. series, and uh, I started with the prequel, which I learned about 400 pages in was a bad He's idea. A mistake. Okay. Um, That's a classic Nick maneuver, though. That's true. But it's it was a struggle to get into, but I'm enjoying it now. I'm almost, That's good. Almost done with it. Reading Matilda to my kids. Oh, okay. Carol Da, um, which we love. Char- uh, not Charlie and Chocolate Factory. BFG. Oh, okay. And so, Moviegoers did not. <laughs> yeah, well. Enjoyed the book, though. It was really funny. Yeah. And with the uh, fifth graders at ICS, I'm reading Hello Universe, okay. which was the 2017 Newbery Award winner. Oh, okay. So I'm rereading that one, and it's, it's going So what well. is your, is there one of those that's just, like, a fun one that you're enjoying, or are they all work-related right now? Uh, Matilda's fun. Okay, that's, yeah, The, with the others are with kind kids. of work, okay. but the Matilda one is fun. Okay. All right. Hmm. What about you, buddy? As you teased last week, I was I was doing the election in between, yeah. so I've got a whole stack of graphic That's novels. That's true. So. I have not read as much as you okay. this week. Uh, still plugging along with Mechanical Failure mm-hmm. uh, by, I've got his name right here too, Joe Zaisha. So it's a com- comedy, so those are always harder for me to get into. It's a sci-fi though, right? It's a sci-fi. Right. Sci-fi but I think, I've, I think I've found my groove. Oh, okay. So I think I've found the balance between the story and the comedy. Yeah, sometimes so. it's difficult to find like the hook, you know, to really like it work through it. Yeah. So I mean, it is funny, mm-hmm. but it definitely I don't know. We'll we'll talk more about it when I'm done. Okay. So, uh no pressure. That. It's like the first of a trilogy as well. Uh So uh, I don't know if you believe this could happen to me, but I'm a little uh burnt out of uh X-Men at oh, the moment. Oh boy. So wow. Uh oh. Um, Moon Knight, are your ears ringing? <laughs> That's true. Uh, so I, I didn't feel because I, I read that like that certain era of X Men, the um, the all new, all different era of X Men that wasn't really that good yeah. during the whole inhuman inhuman inhumanity arc. Really kind of put. I was like, I don't want to jump right next into the other thing. And now I finished all the Claremont, so it's like, where where do I go? So I read uh, Future Imperfect, the Secret Wars miniseries that hmm. looks back that brings like the Maestro from. Future, the Hulk Future Imperfect story back. Oh, okay. Uh, it was dumb. Oh. The story didn't work. Wow. Uh, it, I just, it didn't make any sense. I can't, I'm not getting into it. Just don't read the Secret Wars 
Future Imperfect thing. Read Hulk Future Imperfect by Peter David from like the 90s. That was mm -hmm. one of the best things. You have that action figure. As I, I do. I've got the Meister action figure. Yeah. He's got the little horned helmet. Little helmet. So he yeah. always looks so angry. Pretty choice. Uh, but you know what? It's good that I read that first because then I was like, what I wanted was something Western okay. and something post-apocalyptic. So I just stuck with uh, Old Man Logan, even though that's still technically an X-book. Right. But it's a new creative team and he's fighting the Maestro. Oh. The Maestro gets him to Marvel 616 wow. and now they got to fight. And then it dawned on me the maestro is technically Old Man Hulk. Ah. So, uh, although Hulk in the Old Man Logan storyline is a little pretty gross. Situation, yeah, that's the hillbilly which situation. Which I choose right? not to get into. Yeah, maestro, maestro is constantly talking about that Hulk being like he was a stupid idiot, wow. useless hillbilly. All right, Hulk. Uh, that's it. Okay. I, I got to read something that you're gonna mention, and then another thing that you're gonna mention. I got some other well, stuff, so... Okay. As soon as you talk about yours, I'll be able to, like, I'm reading that, too! Okay. I'm gonna... All right, I'm just gonna dive right into uh, the graphic novel. <laughs> what? Nothing, that's it. I started playing Red Dead Redemption, oh, the okay. first one on the PS3, All right. which is why I wanted something Western, I which see. is why I watched the Christian Bale movie Hostiles, mm -hmm. and which is why I started watching Ken Burns' The West. Did you ever read Appaloosa, Robert B. Parker's Appaloosa? I don't know. I feel like you did, when we were back when we did the Western episode forever ago. Yeah. Well, that's a, the, the Robert Parker ones are really good. The series is taken over by Robert Knott and changes drastically, and they're not good. <laughs> yeah. So, but if you're looking for a good Western, Robert, I, would no, say, thank you. I would say Appaloosa by Robert B. Parker is a good one. All right, you ready for me? Yeah. All right, so I was at the election, and it was a general election, so I was there from 5.30 in the morning until 9.30 at night. And I voted. It was, it was actually a pretty decent turnout, so we were relatively busy, but even so, I worked in a lot of a reading on that day. So, rapid fire, here are the graphic novels that I read. Whoa. Beware Their Power, a Green Lantern book by Steve Englehart. And if you haven't heard our Steve Englehart interview, just pop back a few episodes, soundcloud.com slash all the books, or wherever you get your podcast and listen to our chat with Steve Englehart. This is where uh, Kilwag and a few of the Green Lanterns decide that they want to like defect to Russia. It's a very weird story. Huh. Um, is this I read, in the 80s? Or is this new? You no, know, no, it's like 80s. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's like Reagan so and Gorbachev. So Soviet Russia. Like Reagan and Gorbachev. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I read Jughead's Time Oh, Police. right. I asked you if this is the one where, like, Kilowog makes the makes the Green Lantern guitar is like tear down that wall yeah. and has like a rock performance yeah. on it. Yeah. It feels like that. Makes a, like a construct uh, David Hasselhoff. I read classic Jughead's Time Police. They're they're rebooting this right now with the new Jughead line um, but mm -hmm. I read the classic one and it was real boring. <laughs> uh, I read Ant-Man and the Wasp Lost and Found and I really like this actually. This is they get like stuck in this alternate universe and it's very like spacey and very uh, oh, I don't know Wade. very sci-fi. I liked it. I don't know if there's any more. So you're the Marvel expert. You're going to have to tell me about I don't know. More. You used my Marvel app to read not, all these not Wasp this, books, not and now Marvel's going to think I'm super anyway, into Anyway, I need you to find out if there's more of this Ant-Man of the Wasp series, because that one I liked. Okay. So Mark Wade's Ant-Man of the Wasp. I read Paper Girls, Volume 6, which I believe is the end. No. It's not? No. How is that possible? I don't know, man. It really. Are you sure? Because it really feels like an end. I'll check. Okay. But I, I don't think it is. There's a lot of fact-checking you're doing. I read Archie by Nick Spencer. Okay, have you read... Are you an Archie fan? Do you, like, not even old school, like the Archie no, Digest or anything nothing. like that? I have, really? like, crickets over here while you guys are talking. I have no idea what you're talking Interesting. about. Interesting. No, so, like, nothing. Betty and Veronica, that whole thing. Okay. No. I guess, I don't know, it's always appealed to me, because I've always, like... Was that it about Paper Girls? Basically. Well, you were going to check if it was the end. Oh, yeah. But anyway, there was a whole reboot of the Archie stuff with Mark Wade a few years ago, right. which was pretty good. And then that kind of abruptly ended, and now it's, there's another volume one by an author named Nick Spencer. I didn't like it nearly as much. Mm. Nothing really gets resolved. I read Green Lantern, Intergalactic Lawman. This is Graham Morrison's take on Green Lantern, and it's uh, chaotic and not very fun. 
Mm-hmm. I read Captain America. What Steve would be Rogers. your impression of Grant Morrison pitching Green Lantern to DC? I don't want to. What, what do you think? What do you think he would sound like or say? I don't want to. What? I read Captain America. You are Steve a performing Rogers. monkey. The trial. You will do a Grant Morrison impression pitching Green Lantern to the heads of DC. Trial of Maria. Oh. I gotta ask. Because uh-huh. you're the Marvel fan here. Okay. I find Marvel is a lot more difficult to pick up one and read than DC. Do you think that that's true? I think it's true that I'm, you've said that no, since I know, I've known you. But you don't think that's true? Well, I th- did you? is this like the first part of this Captain the, America being the Hydra it's agent? It's the second volume of that, right? Did you read the first volume? I did. Okay. Okay. I guess they just don't. <laughs> I, I found this with a few Marvel things I've read recently. that they just I don't feel like there's enough context, but I think maybe I'm just not as well-versed in the world. Mm. I didn't know if you... You don't think that's true? Uh... Yeah, I'm pretty versed in the world. I don't know. It'd be weird. I mean, when I first got into it, the difference is, yeah, Marvel's constantly always rebooting their titles. So there's okay. like 18 Captain America Volume Ones, right? And so that's annoying. Yeah. And yeah, I tried to follow. Yeah. I tried to follow the other Ant Man, yeah. and I tried to follow Captain America Sam Wilson. And it's it was true. Like, if Kate over here was like, uh, "Give me an X Men book that I give me, give me a good starting place for the X Men," I'd be like. I don't know. The 70s? You know? Really? Because I saw she was reading Grant Morrison's... Is that, is that so true? No. Oh. That, was, that was totally fabricated. I fully believe that. Eric updated Kate's Goodreads to say that she was reading <laughs> Grant Morrison's X-Men, and I was like, oh, what an interesting choice. Cool. Mm-hmm. I'll be interested to hear what you think. I your Goodreads signed in. But it was fake. Ever. It was, it was fake. fake. All right. Um, oh, it's over. Issue 30. Paper Girls. That's what I thought. Oh, I've got the yeah, last volume. Yeah, so it's there. actually... It, it's a decent ending. Like, it wraps up, and, and you get... It doesn't feel... I feel like everything uh, there's closure, mm-hmm. so I'm sure it'll be nominated for everything it could be nominated for next year. We'll still be talking about it. Yeah, I think it is on Goodreads. I read Who Killed Superwoman, which is a big stinky mess of a book from DC Comics. Is that in Superwoman Volume One? Yeah, that's that's problematic. Yes, I read <laughs> Ant Man and the Wasp: Small World. Oh. This is the one that I used your Marvel app yeah, for, thanks. and it was terrible. Oh, it was the most sexist comic book I've ever. It starts with Hank Pym, who's, well, he's actually the wasp in this, saying he's going to set up like this, basically a a women's foundation for um, his wife who's died. And then it just goes on to be so, like all the, all the art and Mm -hmm. the way like all the women characters are treated. It's just Mm -hmm. like, what are you doing? I hated it. It was so bad. To be fair, Hank Pym is pretty much a terrible person. I know that. So it's just... (laughs) If you're going to do a sexist take on Ant-Man and Wasp, but, do it with Hank Pym. But it's not even Hank that's the problem. Yeah. It's Eric O'Grady, the other Ant-Man. But it's just, it doesn't feel like they're doing a thing. It just feels like it's a gross, yeah. sexist book. So You have two of the worst Ant-Mans in one book. I guess so. Wow. Um, and then finally, I read Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man Most Wanted, volume two of Chip Zdarsky's run on Spider-Man. I still am really digging it. There was time travel in this one. Mm. Uh, I read two novels, The Yoga of Max's Discontent, which was a good, but couldn't stick the landing. I feel like I say that a lot, but that is that was the problem with this book. It was like, it's about this guy who's going on this sort of journey of self-discovery, and it can't decide if it wants to be literal or more like a parable. And so it kind of gets stuck right in between, and it's like, it's too literal to be like a parable, and it's too woo to be like right. literal. So, is it an allegory? Uh, maybe. Is it a metaphor? I, that's what I'm saying. It's like you, you can't decide what, what it wants to do. Oh. The first one that he wrote by, by himself. Oh, that's right. You brought a murder she wrote novel to the sexy new books. Yes. <laughs> but actually, it did kind of revitalize the series. Oh, I, I yeah. liked it. I thought it was pretty good. I'm currently reading Little Women. Jessica Fletcher feels like she's 60 again. Have you read Little Women? I haven't. I plan to this year, though. You actually. know, it's. Uh, 
I'm, I'm, I've seen, you know, the, the of course, the, the Winona Ryder movie and, and the more recent miniseries, and I've seen multiple versions. There's a new one coming out, so, too. Yeah. yeah. Saoirse Rowan and mm-hmm. a whole bunch of other people. So, like, I, I know the story pretty well. And the movies that I've seen, even the miniseries, they've all kind of been pretty consistent. And I found in reading this that the movies are doing a nice job of, like, getting to the point. Mm. You know what I mean? Because this one, it's sort of like... Does it draw it out a little bit It does, and it's like... They're doing this whole like little play that they're doing, and it's like you have to go through this whole play. Uh, I'm like, oh my gosh, families putting on plays yeah. is the worst. <laughs> I've been, tell me about it. I've been to places yeah. where like the kids come out and do this little skit thing. Uh, Even as a child, I hated it. Kids love it. No, it was it was synced up to like I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus, and I'm like, I, this is three minutes of torture. My grandma tried to get me to perform at every chance possible. Yeah, it's so impossible. It's I try to get you to do at Grant Morrison. Pitching the Green Lantern at the DC. It's been done. Um, anyway, so I feel like Little Women maybe, maybe is I'm going to enjoy a the better movies movie, more yeah. than I like the book. So we'll see. Uh, that's that's. I for just our got a or I, or I think it just showed up today a like graphic novel. I think it's like a modern day interpretation of it. They're just named after the sisters. Oh yeah, so it's just mm-hmm. like Joe. Yeah, Mary. Kind of, that's Sam. That's sort of Trisha. You're making. Yeah, uh, I forgot how many. <laughs> there are quite a few modern takes on Little yeah. Women coming out like all at once. You know, yeah, right now. So yeah, bridesmaids. Anyway, this is for uh, our really. It's kind of an early Christmas book club. We're doing this December third for a book club. So if you're a fan of, of Little Women or want to read it for the first time, mm-hmm. December third is the book club on that. Mm. I'm also reading The Evolution of Claire by Tess Sharp. This oh. is for our Dinovember YA for Adults book club, which usually ends up just being you and I. Yeah, just you and me, reading and, uh, M&L books together and then so this talking is, about uh, if we liked it or not. This is by Tess Sharp. Fun fact, we didn't like Divergent. We didn't. Uh, this is by Tess Sharp, who's written several other things, including a Captain Marvel book that we just discovered. But um, this is set, uh, it really, this is like a prequel. This is set in between Jurassic Park 3 and Jurassic Park The Lost World is where this is set. You mean Jurassic World? What did I say? You said Jurassic Park 3 and Jurassic Park The Lost World. It's actually right. called The Lost World in Jurassic Park. I know, no. It takes set, place before Jurassic Park 3. It's set between 3 and Jurassic World is what yeah. I meant, sorry. It's about um, a young teenage Claire. So anyway, I'm liking it so far, and there's a lot more connection to Jurassic Park, like the old school, than mm-hmm. I was expecting. So I'll be the judge of that. I was kind of liking that. Yeah. And that's pretty much it for me. It was it's so, Claire just like so many. out there walking around doing her job. She's like, oh man, the corpse of Dennis Nedry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what That's about it. the Wasp? The Unstoppable Wasp? Yeah, I'm currently reading The Unstoppable Wasp. Yeah, I know. It's pretty I good. I saw it on my Marvel app. Yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> All right, so, that's it for the world's longest you can, bookmark. I can mark everything as unread. So after you read stuff, I've been clicking unread. Just so I don't for your get street confused. cred? Yeah, well, so I don't... Because you read something I was going to read. All right. So. Um, should we turn to some book news? Yeah, Kate, okay. right. what's your book news today? I don't know. What is my book news? Oh, okay. Oh. All right, you know what? You guys um, tell me, I guess. Let's talk about the World Fantasy Awards. What I just played the awards theme. Yeah, you did. We discussed the awards. Yep. All right. So the world's world's fantasy awards uh, decided by the World Fantasy Convention. Uh, do you have this up in front of you? No. I sure. Oh, yeah, I ordered the nominees. Right. You think it's just a council of wizards all around the table? <laughs> I do. I do. Which is um, so let's just look at novel and novella. So I'm going to start okay. with the nominations for novella, and they Ooh. are The Only Harmless Great Thing by Brooke Belander, mm-hmm. The Black God's Drums by <laughs> P. Jelly Clark, The Tea Master and the Detective, Aliette mm-hmm. de Bedard, 
Privilege of the Happy Ending by Kids Johnson, huh. and Beneath the Sugar Sky by Seanan McGuire. The winner for that one was The Privilege of the Happy Ending by Keith Johnson that was published in Clark's World in August of 2018. Beneath the Sugar Sky is an Owl City song, I'm sure. I am not a big fantasy fan. But you are you kind of? I you like fantasy. I like fantasy, but I have never heard of any of those. Oh, okay. Well, those well, are not that right. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. a little bit more difficult. Because you mainly read YA fantasy. Yeah, I was going to say, no. I do lean a lot more toward YA. I don't, I, see, I don't see a separate YA here here that they pulled out because why in fantasy's big business yeah it is I'm in a weird rut where sci-fi hasn't been clicking with me and I'm leaning a bit towards wanting to read more fantasy mm. so I don't know what's going on well then maybe you could start my with... world is changing I'm rearranging does that mean science fiction is changing too <laughs> the nominees for the best novel include In the Nightwood by Dale Bailey mm. The Mirror Wife Mirror as in mirror not mirror what? as in mirror Mirror? <laughs> the like mi- Demir? Mirror. Like what? Like mirror? Like, like C.S. Lewis's Mirror Christianity. Oh, Mirror. Yeah. The Mirror Wife. Yeah, the Mirror Wife. I'm about the Mirror Wife, good There you sir. go. By Maria Devana Who only seeks to refresh herself through this well. Thank you. The poppy... I will give you four beans. <laughs> the Poppy War by R.F. Quang. That sounds familiar. The Poppy War? Did I think it's one? a prequel to The Wizard of Oz. Oh, God. <laughs> the Poppy War. Witch Marks by C.L. Polk and... Trail of Lightning by Rebecca Roanhorse. Why do I know that name? Roanhorse? Yeah. Because I just said Saoirse Rowan? No, no, no. I don't know. Roanhorse? Really? Okay. You know what? Rebecca Roanhorse is the author of that new Star Wars book, Resistance Reborn. Ah. Journey to Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. That's why I know that name. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I did know that name because I actually know more about Star Wars than you. Oh. Because okay. I've read more Star Wars than okay. you. All right. All right, let's do the New York Times bestseller list. Yeah, C.L. Polk is, uh, is, is pretty new on the scene, but the... The next book in the hmm. uh, Kingston cycle is coming out in 2020 called Weird. Storm Song. You want to have to grab that. You want to know a good way to keep me from ever reading your book? Call it book one before the others That's are true. out. That's true. Anytime I see something like this is book one of the this cycle. This is the, the reason, that, and I don't want to get in a fist fight with Kate, but this is the reason why <laughs> the uh, the um, Fantastic Beast movies. I'm just like, oh yeah. Well, before it even starts, when yeah. they say like it's one of five, I'm just like, I don't know if I have it in me. Yeah. I don't know if I have. It don't in tell me it's gonna be five movies. You don't think it's going to be? No, I mean, if that's just it, you're right. Are like, you a fan of those? She loves them. Do you? I don't love them, but I can't not watch them and I enjoy them. Like, it's it's just a part of the Harry Potter I world. I felt like, I really didn't like the first one. I just, it was a weird mix of like... The second one was one of the worst times of my really? life. It, I thought the first one... Fantastic Beasts. I just felt like it was it was a mix of like like really dark fantasy and then like sort of like poopy kid humor. Yeah, I didn't it, understand. It's a hard mix and I feel like it wanders a lot. Yeah. Like there is no straight. Here's the beginning. There's the end. Right. We have to meander through all these. Is things. Crimes of Grindelwald any better? My wife and I went to see it in the theater, showing it like this. Whatever. It's not film anymore, but it, they couldn't continue the movie, so we had to just like leave. And I've never gone back. I don't think it was much better. Really? Like, I, I enjoyed them both probably just because I'm yeah. in the Harry Potter mm-hmm. world so deeply. Mm-hmm. But, like, it just, they aren't great. It's hmm. very meandering. 37% on Rotten Tomato. You think, it's gonna make it, do you think it's going to make it to five movies? That's my they, question. They've announced the third movie, but they gave it more time because mm. nobody liked the second one except for Kate. Mm. The second one is just, it's just a, it was just a waste of time. It... Like, there there are definitely deep cuts for Harry Potter fans. I had to lean into my wife and be like, well, who is that person? But there's it was just, like, 
nothing happens until like the last 10 minutes and then when the last 10 minutes <laughs> is Johnny Depp Kate is reluctant so depending on how much you like seeing Johnny Depp eat up the screen in a very not like uh, fascinating way like Colin Farrell who played the character in the first movie like yeah. he can like deliver lines and you get like pathos in there Johnny Depp's like I'm acting and it's just and he's like so overly designed it's like he's got the white hair he's got the missing eye he's got the poofy clothes he's got the, it's just everything it's like put on a giant arm cannon he's a 90s comic character and it's just there's there's too much of that and I'm like, feeling this magic let's just dip this I, it's one of those things too it's like about. let's all go as a family to see Fantastic Beasts the movie yeah. of the Harry Potter thing ah babies being drowned ah the it's right. just like, I think there are like three separate baby deaths in that movie. Huh. There's the one where the baby's like, I'm playing okay. with blocks. And Grindelwald's yeah. like, get rid of the baby. Poof. Yikes. And then there's drowning. And so it's just like, it's just so I, tone deaf. I don't know who it's for. I can't remember why we're talking about this. You asked if the, the book one. cycle. Book That's one. right. That's right. So it's my fault. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'll take for it. For once. <laughs> New York Times bestseller list. Hit it. Okay. No, I'm kidding. Uh, number 10 on the New York Times bestsellers list for hardcover adult fiction is The 19th Christmas by James Patterson and Maxine Pietro. It's the 19th installment of the Women's Murder Club series. Detective Lindsay Boxer and a company take on a fearsome criminal only known as Loman. We already have a million holes on this book. Yeah. It's James Patterson. I know. Well, it came out. It's oh. November 12th right now. I, I mean, know. It's a Christmas book. I know, but that's too early. I guess it's not too early to get your hold on it because you're probably not going to get it by Christmas if you don't have a hold mm, on it already. Yeah, but yeah. People are already coming in excited about these. I hate these books. As you know, anything with Maxine Pietro, I yeah. feel like is not good. But I've never read them. Why don't you like them? I just I've read a few things where he co-authors things with Maxine Pietro. I read mm -hmm. one of these and I read um, Private, and they're just. I mean, they're always they're always like you know, junk food kind of reads, oh, you know, like NYPD Red I like, I think those are kind of fun, but I just, these to me just feel so, I don't know, I don't know, it's like the, the characters just feel really weak to me, uh, the supporting characters, because it's right. like the Women's Murder Club is a cool concept, and like, they sort of each have their things going on, but then to sort of like build the story out from around that, I just mm. feel like they're very, they're very flimsy stories, more excuses for the characters to hang out, and it just seems like if you've got the money, maybe hire a better co-author yeah. and work those out but you know yeah. they're huge bestsellers so what the heck do I know yeah not your cup of tea no no they're regular crimes of Grindelwald <laughs> the other problem with that movie is like you like Harry Potter because it's like about kid you relate yeah. to going to school as a kid and all yeah. that so it has that the crimes of Grindelwald the Fantastic Beast movies like do you like 40 year olds yeah Falling down the, the and farting? That, the good thing news. That I can't handle is that yeah. the whole big push leading up to this was like, this is, you're going to see magic in America. No. And there are no movies more British than these. Yeah, you know, it's so like, oh, I don't even know if the second one New York. takes oh, place in America. Delicious. I think, I think the, second the second one does mostly, so. Mm. Yeah, you're right. But it aren't is, they like it's crazy? British. British. Yeah. Somebody on, on Twitter once put like, non match is the most yeah, British thing true. to call among them. I still remember we were watching that first one and uh, somebody brings in the character's tea and my wife was like, just bring coffee and then yeah. it'll feel like America. Yeah. It's, it's so, true. Yeah. It's like every Not little wrong. thing. It's yeah. just like... But you know how... Maybe take a trip to America. <laughs> you know how everybody hates the Star Wars prequels because they get super political and nobody likes the politics and of them? And they're terrible. And they're bad, sure. Crimes of Grindelwald does the same thing. It's like, let's get super political. Yeah. I don't... Ugh. All right. I'm sorry. That was me. <laughs> Number nine. Let's take the kids to see this World War I Hitler wizard movie. <laughs> All right. Number nine. 
It's the Lost Cause of Bleak Creek. Oh, try to say that nine times fast. I couldn't. Did I say nine times? What is this? Usually you're supposed to say it three times, five times. What is the limit to say this fast? Huh. All right, this is Rhett McLaughlin and Link Neal with Lance Rubin. Two high school freshmen dig into the dark underpinnings of their hometowns in the local reform school in North Carolina. Okay. Cool. Uh, number eight is The Institute by Stephen King. Makes Children sense. with special talents are abducted and sequestered in the institution where the sinister staff seeks to extract their gifts through harsh methods. Was this last week we did the spotlight on this book? Yeah, I think so. Oh, my word. Kate, this is a terrible book. Yeah, Eric told me. We not good. We felt, uh, we got we got halfway through this uh, spotlight, and we were like, why are we doing a spotlight on a yeah. book we hate and don't think you should read? But yeah. we had already committed to it, and darn it, I wasn't going to waste that time. That's true. We read it for nothing. We lost the Stephen King endorsement deal. Yeah, so we that's a bummer. Did. Yeah, we definitely we did. We can no longer suggest you drink Stephen King cola. No, but I still do. Yeah, it's delicious. Yeah, it's bubbly and suspenseful yep. all the way through. Yep. <laughs> Number seven, Jojo Moyes, a giver of stars. In a Depression era America, five women refuse to be cowed by men or convention as they deliver books throughout the mountains of Kentucky. That sounds awesome. Number six, the Dutch House. <laughs> Won't say it this time. Go back to last episode to hear. My Sweet Joke About the Dutch House uh, by Ann Patchett. A sibling relationship is impacted when the family goes from poverty to wealth and back again over the course of many decades. It's the back again. It doesn't even sound exciting. It takes place over decades? Yeah. And sometimes they're rich and sometimes they're poor. But Isn't that like everybody? I rich. Yeah, I haven't had the rich part of my life yet. Well, yeah. Maybe you still have that to look forward to. Oh, sweet. Like Roseanne. In the, no, not the in the show. Oh, okay. The last season, they right. made it rich, yeah. and then they were millionaires. But yeah. then it turned out it was like a book. Yeah. And then she died yeah. in the new season because right. she's racist. You're right. Uh, number five. Now you're caught up. <laughs> uh, number five. Find Me by Andre Ackman. Years after the events of Call Me By Your Name, Elio has become a classically trained pianist in Paris, while Oliver <laughs> is a New England college professor with a family. Right. I haven't seen great reviews for this. The book? Yeah. Well, it's such a weird thing to do. I mean, the original Call Me By Your Name was it's the Testaments. Decades, decades ago. Yeah, basically. So. Yeah. But the thing is, the Testaments came out while Handmaid's Tale is still on the air. Yeah. Call Me By Your Name was like three years ago, two years ago now? Yeah, if it would have came out like in conjunction with the, with the movie, the book, then it yeah. might have had some... Uh, yeah. but. Find Me is also the challenge the book gives to you yeah. in bookstores. Yeah, seriously. Uh, number four, what, Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. You know, I've for 61 news. weeks, we've yeah. talked about Where the Crawdads Sing. Yeah. I want to know what the crawdads sing. Mm. That's Just it. that sound they make. It's a little like... <laughs> but the holds on Where the Crawdads Sing in our library are uh, finally all Slowing down. down. Yeah. You know what? I saw a copy of Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Go on the shelf for about two seconds. Wow. So I was like, it's happening. It's pretty good. You can feel the tide, yeah. Uh, number three is Michael Connolly, The Night Fire. Okay. Harry Bosch and Renee Ballard return to take up a case that held the attention of Bosch's mentor. John Grisham is at number two with The Guardians. Uh, Colin Post, a lawyer and Episcopal minister, antagonizes some ruthless killers when he takes on a, wrongfully conviction ca- a wrongful conviction case. I'm so behind on Grisham. I'm a few... A few back. Yeah. I'm a bad Grisham fan. Oh. Well, he's been a bad Grisham writer. You're right. You know what? Thank you. Uh, Blue Moon by Lee Child. Jack Reacher gets caught up in a turf war between Ukrainian and and Albanian gangs. What's Jack Reacher doing? Just walking around with a toothbrush and one pair of underwear. (laughs) Episode. (laughs) 
<laughs> Do you know anything about Jack no. Reacher? That's no. it. He yeah, doesn't, that's right. He doesn't have any belonging. He has a toothbrush clipped to his belt and has like a change of underwear, and that's pretty much his whole life. Ooh. He just goes from place to place. I think that's all I need to know. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. I'm Here, done. look. Yep. Amelia you Clark. Know what? If you want to solo, you're right. She was. If you Jan- want, if you Jan- want to know more Jan- about Jan- Lee Child, Kate, you can go back to episode 116 where we did a whole spotlight on Lee Child and Jack Reacher. Fun. It was not. And fun. his underwear. And it's unfair. It wasn't fun. I thought you, you're the one who wanted to do that one. Well, I didn't mean I enjoyed it. Did you make us do a spotlight for a whole... I read Jack Reacher books. I, I read those short stories about stupid listen, teenage Jack listen. Reacher. Those books start... Picking up girls during the summer of Sam. Those books start really good. Like, they're, they're really interesting. But then after a while, it's like because he's such a drifter that there's not really supporting characters. There's nothing really propelling it. It's just sort of The Fugitive or The Incredible Hulk or Quantum Leap. It's just like... Jack Reacher rolls into this town, rings out his underwear, <laughs> solves a crime, and then moves to the next town. It's well, just, why couldn't I have read novelizations of the 70s TV show like, The Incredible Hulk? And they're like 600 pages long yeah. of him just like getting into other people's business. So, yeah. I'm, I'm over it. I'm over it. All right, is that it for the New York Times? Best Has there ever been a book that's been like Yojimbo slash uh, Fistful of Dollars with him? Where he's like, he pretends he's working both sides? Seems like it's perfect for that. It does, yeah. You know, I can't think of that happening, but okay. it must have. It must have at some point. Copyright. Yeah, Ronan? What's the what's the Bruce Willis cop movie where he does the same thing? The Bruce Willis cop movie? Yeah. I don't know. Let's not worry about it. Okay. All right, well, uh, we've made Kate sit through all of this to... Uh, <laughs> she could have chimed in when you were talking about Grant Green Lantern. <laughs> yeah, you're right. To get no, where we are now, and that is we're celebrating uh, Picture Book Month here during the month of November. So Kate's been featuring some picture books on the library's Facebook page, David Dale Public Library on Facebook. And we're going to be talking about some of those here. We also picked some of our favorites from the early days to talk about as well. So mm. how would we like to be Last Man Standing is a 1996 American cowboy film starring Bruce Willis, Christopher Walken, and Bruce Dern. I gave you my internet cord, and this is what you used it for. <laughs> Sorry. Bruce Dern, um, he's a cool guy. I'm going to just start, because I uh, there, was this, there was this book mm-hmm. that I loved, that was my favorite book as a kid, and then Star I just Trek? kind of lost it. No, I just kind of lost it somewhere along the way, and all I could remember was that it was shaped like the Roadrunner, right? <laughs> and I just I couldn't find it anywhere. I couldn't uh-huh. find it. But I think that I figured it out, and it is Beep Beep the Roadrunner <laughs> by Seth, Cecily Ruth Hogan, and it mm. is shaped like the Roadrunner's face. And I just loved this book. Okay. I read it a million times. Yeah, this, it's an amazing book. I know. This is this is probably my my earliest book related memory would be Beep Beep the Roadrunner. Um, but it's a it's a close a close second maybe to Big Bird's Red Book. You is that the me? collection of all the dates Big Bird's been on? No. It's it's where Big Bird is like talking. It's a couple, it's kinda like the, there's a monster at the end of this book where I, I know, that's great. Um, where where Big Bird is talking directly to the reader and is is saying like, Oh, I have this I bought this red thing in my bag and he keeps fishing in his bag for something red and meanwhile behind him the scene just gets more and more red with like <laughs> fire trucks and tomato trucks and apple carts and you know it just gets more finally Big Bird's like oh I guess not there's nothing red sorry everyone so it's really funny but that and uh, there's a monster at the end of this book which was Grover trying desperately to get you to not read the uh, right. the pages so those those were probably my three big ones when mm. I was a kid what about you what were some of your early favorites uh I can dress myself, since we're on the topic of Sesame Street, yeah. which was Grover just showing how he can dress himself like a cowboy, oh. which is basically basically an instructional book on putting your socks on yeah. before your shoes, 
Put you your... said you were in the mood for a western, so that's <laughs> that's <laughs> true. That's perfect. Um, but one I absolutely loved, and I thought it was an Ernie book. It's a big Big Bird book. It's called Big Bird Can Share. Mm. Big Bird has some stuff. He's going to do a uh, sandcastle, mm-hmm. and uh, it's not working out for him because he. He doesn't have the right tools, and he doesn't want to share and everything. But then he learns to share, and the sandcastle was amazing. Really? The book. I, I ate those pages up. Though I do remember being kind of sad in a way I didn't understand as a child when Big Bird's sandcastle wasn't working. Mm. Just this sense of like, well, that that's making me feel emotions. Yeah. What's going on? Wow. I'm three years old. Powerful. Yeah. Powerful. So those stuff. are Sesame Street exactly. ones I got. I also really liked it. That reminds me of um, Mike Mulligan and his steam shovel. Have you guys read that book? No. Really? It's That's it's written by oh, what is her name? Virginia. She wrote that one about it's, the house. It's not Barton, is it? And she wrote she wrote Katie Napping about the snowplow. And the snowplow. Yeah. Can you look that up? Are you looking? I'm up? doing it. All right, Mike Mulligan. Uh, anyway, Mike Mulligan was in Solo. No. Virginia Lee Burke. Oh yeah, there you book. go. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right, well, yeah, yeah. This one is about Mike Mulligan uh, operating his steam shovel, and then new high tech steam shovels come in, and they're like, "Forget you, Mike Mulligan." And so he says he says that he can dig out. The basement of this place uh, faster than any, faster and more efficiently than any of the newfangled ones. And they're like, "All right, fine, do it." And this is after he takes Marianne, his steam shovel, up to the top of a mountain. And is about to like toss her off the edge, and then he's like, "I can't so do it." It is very dark. <laughs> so yes, this is what reminded me because it made me feel a lot of feelings. Oh yeah. And then by the end, they built this perfect basement. But they didn't give themselves a way out. There's no way to lift Marianne out of it, so she's like stuck in there. Still dark. I know. Very alive. So it's very. Tell exciting. me, there's a happy ending. And so yeah, and so finally they decide that they're going to repurpose Marianne to be the furnace of this new building, and they hire uh, Mike to be the custodian okay. to like hang around with Marianne in the basement. That's strange. Deep. It's a strange book. It's this a strange so book. Deep. I know. Wow. I know. It's very long. Like, I've tried to read it to my son a couple of times, and he's like, uh, Dad, <laughs> can we speed this along? <laughs> but yeah, that was one that definitely, the whole time I was like, don't throw Marianne off the edge. Mm-hmm. And then when she gets stuck in the basement, it's also very upsetting, too. Mm-hmm. But it all works out. She doesn't yeah. get to be a steam shovel and is trapped in the basement for the rest of her life. But right? I, mean, I don't know good. if that was a good turn of events or not for well, her. Well, I think, I New think, life, I think she sort of outlived her usefulness in the steam engine game. You know, something so it's probably, we all need to learn. Yeah, when, that's when, an important when lesson. What about you, Kate? What were the ones that... Uh, the Monster at the End of this book. Oh, okay. I still have a copy of that. I mm-hmm. still read it to my kids. There's they a fancy new version now, like a There's special anniversary. Monster at the end of this book. Oh, is there oh, a special anniversary? There is, yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. yeah. We have There's Another Monster at the End of This Book, oh. where Elmo wants to go to the end of the book, and uh-huh. Grover's trying to stop him. Not as good as the original, yeah. but still. How could it be? Anytime you include Elmo in, it's no good. Oh, mm. come on. Kids Hot love take. Elmo. Yeah, kids love Elmo, but yeah. it doesn't say anything about taste. Mm. Well, kids are dumb. Take that, kids. Kids All like right. Elmo because you haven't introduced them to Telly. <laughs> so. I, I like Telly because he's neurotic and he's always worried about what people are thinking. That totally <laughs> makes sense that you'd relate. That does, kind of I imagine that Telly goes on really great dates but just comes back and like, I ruined it! <laughs> just takes, he just cries in the shower. Sure, we all imagine that. See, this is more of the adult take on Sesame Street, though. Oh, yeah. poor like, Telly. Elmo is strictly for the yeah. kids. All right, so Kate, so you were, a, you were a Sesame Street monster at the end of this book. What else, what uh, else was... This one has to be one of my most favorite, one of okay. my earliest memories of a book Tuesday oh by David so you're Wise getting Day. all literary on us mine were but this is this when I was like what's my favorite picture book this mm-hmm. was the one that came to mind really I don't think I've ever read this book oh really it's wordless so oh, even before okay. I could read yeah I, I mean there's like that Tuesday evening that's it and then it goes through and there are frogs 
flying. Mm-hmm. It's oh. hilarious. Huh. And just the facial expressions and the wacky things that happen. I remember sitting actually at the Sio Free mm-hmm. Library when I was a kid, just sitting there and flipping through this again and again. Wow. Oh, that's right. You've lived that's, here your whole life. I have. Sorry. <laughs> she used to think Sio was the biggest town in the world. Really? <laughs> you know, that was all Eric's take. But even before I could actually read, I knew what was happening in this book. What do you and think about it. wordless picture books? Are you a fan? As someone who does story time, yeah. they aren't always the best yeah. tool for that. That's definitely true. But as a one-on-one for a kid or at, for a kid by themselves, they're amazing. Mm-hmm. Because they are made so that you know the story going on. The entire mm-hmm. passage, you know, everything that's going on without a single word. Yeah. And so they are fantastic tools. Mm-hmm. But, again, as a story time, like, I... In my mind, it's my job to read the story. Yeah. But that allows you to interpret it your own way and to make your own story mm-hmm. out of the basics. So they are, they're fantastic. Yeah, I found, I found them to be... My son usually likes them just because, just like you're saying, he can flip through and know what he's right. doing. I find them kind of hit and miss to, to go through. It is hard to, like... It's a more solitary, I feel mm-hmm. like, uh, approach to them, which is fine. And but... I think format makes a big difference, too, because I there's actually one that's adorable. It's called Stormy. It's a new one that we just got in. Um, about this dog that has no home and somebody mm. comes up and they're trying to kind of, you know, bring it to safety. Ends up being adorable, but the format made it less clear oh, of yeah. the sequence of events. Right. So it was like, eh, but this one is just one of my least favorite trends right now, and it's funny, kind of ironic, considering the ones I just chose as my early favorites, but I don't like picture books that are, like, talking directly to you, that have a lot of, like, dialogue mm-hmm. in them or something. Dialogue I can be so hate hard. those. Yeah, I and hate I don't think them. the kids always get it as they're reading it yeah. either. Like, unless you do funny voices mm-hmm. or something like that where you can differentiate, yeah. it's it's really lost. I know, I'm always sort of, like, pointing, like, this person's talking, yeah, this person's talking. But do, this is why I don't like, like the elephant and piggy books, things nope. like that. I just really don't like that. No, I so, agree. I don't, I don't know. But that seems like more and more, a lot of that's, a lot of that's the thing. Directed. Yeah. And some of that, too, is I feel like the comic book format is becoming more prevalent in, yeah. in picture books you know which bit, is yeah. um like tiger versus nightmare do you remember that one that yep. came out yep. that's my one of my son's absolute favorite books and that's yeah. that is it's largely wordless i feel mm-hmm. like there's a lot of wordless sections I in there i think it's technically categorized and as an easy reader so yeah. it was minimal yeah but then the rest of it is like comic book bubbles yeah. like dialogue um but that one i feel like really works i think again format, format. you know a lot of it, it it does make it clear and it's uh it's easy to follow, but that's a, that was a big favorite of Almost his, and I like that one quite a bit. Books is about format. Mm-hmm. Like you could put any story you want down, but depending on the illustrations, I think picture book. I mean, obviously picture book, but it's make or break by the illustrations. Oh yeah, definitely. absolutely. And the format, mm-hmm. even the size, the height, how it's used. Hello Lighthouse mm-hmm. that won the Caldecott last I year. I love that one. And I wasn't as crazy yeah. about the story, but. When you look at the illustrations, mm-hmm. piecing it together, I mean, they did it perfectly. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that it won the award. That is, that is so. really good. Did you, you read that one, right? Hello, yeah. White House? You didn't like it? I don't remember. <laughs> did I? Jeez. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it, it is a, it's a format issue, you know? It is really cool the way there's a part where Was you Was the main to, like, focus about a dad? The whole book. Yeah. Yeah, all right. The White right. House yeah. and yeah. his family. So what are some Jimmy of the Jimmy and Telly smoking six packs a day. <laughs> so what are some of the ones, Kate, that you've chosen for November? Oh, I've got a deck of them here. Right. These are all on our new shelf. Okay. Uh, probably within the past month or so. Um, this is one that I put on our Facebook page yeah. here and now um, by Julia Denos. 
it's uh, pretty much about slowing down, mm -hmm. taking a moment, being in the moment, mm -hmm. and teaching that to kids because everything is so on the go and busy and scheduled, structured, boom, boom, boom. And in this okay, book, no there's more. a lot of... <laughs> hang on. <laughs> and in this book, there's a lot of just take a second, mm. smell the roses, kind of, and then also connecting small children to the world at mm. large. So it kind of takes you... Step by step, it brings you in to the moment, and then it reaches you back out to how you connect to the mm -hmm. broader world. So I, I thought like, that one was nice. I, I've read this one, and I didn't particularly like it, but no? none of the things that you described are the way that I read it. So I think I just read it wrong. You know, Maybe. I think I was expecting. Differently, not I, wrong. Yeah, yes, thank you. <laughs> I think I was just expecting something different, but right. like the way you describe it, it does sound like it would be. And good. the illustrations are just gorgeous. I do too. like the, the illustrations. color palettes yep. and everything. Who's the illustrator on that? Um, E.B. Goodale. Okay. Not one that I recognize. E.B. Good art. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. Thanks for chiming in. No problem. <laughs> Picture books aren't Yeah. All right. Well, I have... Um, I, I know. Ernie, the sandbox and yeah. all of that. Um, a Big Bed for Little Snow was a cute one. Uh, oh, Grace wow. Lynn wrote and I believe illustrated this one. Yes. Uh, she was the author of A Big Moon Cake for Little Star. Oh, yeah. Where she eats the moon cake every night. Yeah. It's last and last, kind of showing phases of the moon. That's another one. My son loved it, and I didn't like that book See, at all. See, I thought this one was cute, too. I feel but like I, I haven't read that. Book. I mean the moon cake okay. one. I didn't like moon cake. It's uh, very similar. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so you probably won't like okay. this either. Moon cake is cheesecake. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, thank you. I don't think that's true. Uh -huh. It's made out of um, cheese. Uh, that's, right. that's the lore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I feel like both this and the big moon cake are almost have, like, mythical... Mm. Yeah, well, that's seeds. true. You know, yeah. it's like, why does the moon get smaller? Mm -hmm. And then they bake a new cake, yeah. and same thing. So it's the cycle of the moon. Same yeah. thing with this. It sort of feels, bit. almost feels like it's like oral tradition kind of storytelling, yeah. you know. And this same thing, very simple. The moon gets smaller because of its alignment with the oh. sun. Okay. Um, I just... Big bed for little snow. So mom says, don't jump on the bed. And what's big uh, little snow do but jump on the bed and so it makes it snow more I and see. more and more wow. until the end of the mm -hmm. so, so we can blame, sorry to spoil that yeah, one yeah we can blame that kid for today's yeah, weather exactly yep kid. um this was one you said you oh I like this a lot big boys cry yeah um just uh broadening the yeah. gender stereotypes mm -hmm. and everything it's such an important book because you know it starts out with the dad saying you you know this little boy's yeah. going to school new school for the first time and dad says well big boys don't cry yeah. but on his well, way to school he sees yep. he sees all these stereotypically mm -hmm. manly men crying yeah it, it opens it up like hey this is okay so that was is that dad canadian it it is very like yeah it feels like yeah. it's okay. yeah. yeah it's like a, yeah. it's cute though mm -hmm. i liked that one um, the great I read grand. another one. Sorry. sorry, no. That's I okay. read another one kind of like this recently that was a similar premise. It was, I wish I could remember what it was called. It was like superheroes cry. Or are you familiar with that one? That's it's not cry. It's superheroes have feelings too. It was the same kind of thing where it was like, about. Um, do superheroes have a teddy bear or something to that effect? Yeah, something along those lines. I, I'll I'll find it yeah. because I it was it kind of filled the same void where it was it was sort of destigmatizing like right. having emotions. Emotions. You know, sorry. Which was, yeah. Sorry, boys have yeah. emotions I too. Know. Yeah, look at Telly. <laughs> yeah, you're a big ball of emotion over here. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Great Grand Plan. Did you read that one? No. Oh, I thought this one was so cute. It kind of spoofs on different um, fairy tales. Oh, okay. And you know, you go through. You probably can't see, but there's an apple stall and um, <laughs> Wanda's wands and wizard wear, and it's just really cute. Spoofs on all of these. Mm. Super fun one to read. The kids loved it. Even my 11 year old. So that was a fun one. I really don't like that new Hansel and Gretel. 
Have you read that one? Not crazy about it. I don't remember either. what the author of that one is. No, but I don't know either. Okay. Well, Jeremy Renner is worth off the map. We're only saying negative things about it, so I guess right? we'll we <laughs> leave it alone. But it. that was another one, too, where a lot of it was like it was the dialogue between the reader and the yes. story, and the stories. And it was, because that one hit like they were talking to each other, but right. they were also talking to the audience. Yeah. So it was always. Yeah, it's confusing. Where's the focus? Mm-hmm. It was hard. Um, this one was cute. Little miscommunication on the farm. The duck comes in. Oh. Yeah, it was, it well, I like the look cute. of it. Is that yeah. that's familiar? Is that something? Uh, Nathaniel Ekstrom, not a name that I know. Meg McKinley's oh, okay. the author, right. illustrated by Nathaniel Ekstrom. But again, soft, looks. Fluffy. Oh yeah. I yeah. like the. It's not soft, oh, yeah. but it looks. It. Well, I know it was worth a try. Tactile. Yeah, there you go. I, I figured out the one that I, I, the, that goes with that. Uh, uh, big Boy's Cry. Yeah, Big Boy's Cry. It's Tough Guys Have Feelings Too oh, by Keith yes. Neckway. And I thought that was really well done. It, it follows the same kind of, again, it's the same kind of concept. But that was another one that was really well done. Yeah, they're, it's really nice to see them expanding the, you know, the gender stereotypes. Yeah. And, and yeah. again, just emotion. Everybody mm-hmm. has them. Nobody should yeah. hide them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last one, because uh, there are nonfiction picture books too, and I thought this one was awesome was the important thing about Margaret Wise Brown mm. the author of Good Night Moon and uh, after reading this I found out like a hundred other books mm. obviously nothing quite as big as Good Night Moon I don't think no but there's a couple <laughs> well I, I think well it's not as big but Big Red Barn was another yes, one of and hers like Runaway Bunny is that one of hers oh I think you might be right I think so yeah um yep. so this is one it's for a little bit older kids, obviously, because it's a nonfiction, it's a biography, mm-hmm. but it's written by Mac Barnett, okay. who wrote like Circle and Square. Oh, and, um, those are my son's absolute yes. favorites right now. So yeah. it's it's an enjoyable read, mm-hmm. and he structures it so funny because it's like a different fact on each page, kind of, but mm-hmm. it all ties in together. Mm-hmm. And it was just really enjoyable and funny in places, and it talks about um, oh, I'm gonna get a name wrong if I don't see it. Anne Carol Moore, who's like credited as the first children's librarian oh. in New York City at the New York Public Library, and talks about her and how much influence she had, and she did not want Margaret Wise Brown's books in her library, so nobody would buy them, but oh. Margaret Wise Brown stuck to it and has wow. hundred-some books, I yeah. guess, now. So it was it was a fun one, but I, I like the, the ability to transfer true real information in mm-hmm. picture book format mm-hmm. like it, it was it was great i love that one okay. so that was those are some of my top picks just at a glance because yeah. i always take them home and read them oh, to yeah. my kids and yeah. i'm like oh, i love this one you know what i don't always uh i don't always <laughs> read them myself first i'll just kind of launch into them and i have yes. been surprised a couple of times <laughs> i'm like oh this book is about an unexpected death in the family and i'm yeah. halfway through so everybody just buckle Whoops. up <laughs> yeah there was one i actually couldn't even finish the other day i had to have scott finish reading it for me it was called the crazy much love Mm. And it was technically an adoption story, but it's just talking about how much they love their kids and oh. uh, everything they do for them. And I'm like, you have to finish it for me. <laughs> I'm so mad. That's funny. I'll do that. All the, it's horrible. Do you remember that one? It was nominated for something. It was like, it was about they find an empty house in the woods. Do you remember? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh yes, you hated it. Yes. I don't remember what it was. Called. I don't remember what it's called either. But basically, like these kids come and they find this empty house in the woods. And the, all the stuff is still in the house, and they're like, "I wonder who lived here. I wonder what this was about." And it's like, "Is this a serial it's, killer story?" Yeah, it looks like it's, it's just very spooky. Yes, it was. It yeah, was I didn't. Great. I didn't like that one. <laughs> that was a that was a spooky one. I like the ones that are um, 
I don't know. I feel like lately, in the last couple of years, picture books have done. There's been sort of a push to, um, I don't know, broaden horizons a little bit, and you know, a lot more like inclusivity and mm-hmm. and just ways that are not like sloppy and heavy handed, but yes. just sort of like, you know, take a look at what we are and take a look at like what we can be and all that. Absolutely. Um, one that I really particularly enjoyed recently was All Are Welcome by Alexandra Penfold. Do you remember yes. that one? Yep. I thought that one was just excellent because it was. It was about sort of celebrating the things that make us different, and it was just following kids through a big school, and you're seeing all these different cultures represented and all that, but never is it, is it you know, just laying it on super thick. It's just kind of like, here it all is, yeah. and I thought, I thought that was really that was, well That was done. a really well done one, yeah. And I, I, I sort of feel like the, um, what's the one that won the Newberry, won the Newberry a few years back was a picture book, um, Matt De La Pena, what's that called? Last Stop on Market Street. Street. I thought that was another one that, mm-hmm. that did a really nice job with I that, too. I think since then, people are kind of picking up on, oh, that's yeah. what people want. Yeah, that's... It's not, hey, look, here is mm-hmm. someone with a disability. Here is a race. Here is a size. It's just, it's included. Yeah. It is yeah. just a part of the story. It is not the main focus. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's life. We're all here. We're sharing it. Yeah, it's I think real. you're right. I think that was one that sort of turned the tides a little bit because it got a lot of attention um, because it won the Newberry as a picture book, which is, has that ever happened? I mean, it's rare if it Not has. Not that I know of. Okay, other I don't than think that so but, but the way that took just a, a boy and his grandma riding a bus, mm-hmm. you know, to the last stop and seeing all these different things, and it was about the it was about the journey and was about the different characters that they meet along right. the way. But it really, you know, layered in a lot of different things that you might not normally find in a, in a picture book and I feel like before that if you if you were looking for that the book options were really about just so so blatant yes. you know just not didn't really feel like a nice reading experience no. it was just kind of like bam bam it's bam bam you know and it's the, the diversity and there's certainly like there's, there's a place for that but I don't think that that's really a way to like have kids just accept normalcy it, yeah, it, no. that's that's more like focus on it's, these differences you know well, rather than just that I I think I actually learned it at Nyla when I went a couple of years ago there was a difference you were leaning away from diversity mm-hmm. which set people apart yeah from being exactly, different, exactly. And to inclusivity right where everyone is yeah. included, everyone yeah. is involved. So there's, I think before we had a lot of diversity yeah. where it was singling things out yeah. that were different about everyone and now we're just kind of trying to bring yeah. it into this is this is all, right. it's all in the pot kind of, right. it's all here. Yeah, so. and that I've, I think you're right that, that Market Street was one that kind of pushed that, mm-hmm. elevated that a little more and was kind of a good example of how you can do that more naturally in a way that actually like will, will reach kids yes. without, you know, well, because kids see things, yeah. whether they understand it to its fullest mm-hmm. or not. But, you know, I mean, if they just see different races, different abilities, different mm-hmm. sizes all mixed in together, it's normal. Right. If we set it apart and right. say, oh, this is this is something special, this right. is something different, yeah. then it's it doesn't fuse. Yeah. So I think it's I think the inclusivity well, because is I so think, important. I think that, that that old style kind of forces you to look at things in, in terms of normal, Abnormal. Exactly. Even when the even when the even intention is, is to yes, spin on it, you're still, still not, those are sort of the terms yes. that you have to apply. So and there are still books that focus on the diversity or the differences, and that's 
fine because we need those for educational right. purposes mm-hmm. too. We need to be able to say, okay, this is not okay. This yeah. is, you know, it opens up that dialogue. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's why even um, there's a middle school teacher here actually, and I know there's some research done that m- a lot of middle school teachers are using picture books mm. because it does open up a line of communication yeah. in such a simple, short format. Yeah that it just wraps everything up nice and neatly. And then you can say, okay, what was your take on that? Right. Or how do you feel about that? And mm-hmm. it's, it's a picture book is just such a nice package yeah. when you get it well done to explain things mm-hmm. or to go into a, you know, a conversation about it. So I think they're, I mean, it's just amazing the things that they can do. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, uh, as we've been saying, November is Picture Book Month, so Kate's going to be... Are you doing this weekly where you're putting up a new... Yep, new little review and one of my new favorite picks. You'll probably see one of these on there this week. Okay. So if you're local, of course, you can stop in and check all these out from the Picture Book Room uh, right here at the David A. Howe Public Library or stop into your local library wherever you are and check out some of these that Kate's showing. Again, that's going to be on David A. Howe Public Library on Facebook. You can find us there. Keep an eye out what's coming up. Uh, Kate, thanks for joining us here Absolutely. on the podcast. Uh, let's talk about some library news. What do we have coming up here at the David A. Howe Public Library? I can tell you that we have Creek Bend Band making their annual visit here to the library on November 14th. That's at 7 o'clock down in the auditorium. Uh, in the coming weeks, we have the Nutcracker coming back for... This is the uh, the fifth year we've been doing this. Actually, the sixth uh, production of the Nutcracker. So we're excited about that. It's going to be a little new and different this year. So we're looking forward to that. Um, and the Andover Ecumenical Choir is going to become uh, doing their Advent uh, performance here. Book clubs are reading Little Women and one of the uh, Her Royal Spinus, the Christmas book uh, by Rees Bowen are, are the ones coming up down the road. And Eric and I are doing uh, The Evolution of Claire for the Wife for Adults Book Club Ooh. as part of Dinovember. Yeah. What do you guys have coming up? Dynamite. Hit it, Kate. I got it. Um, so, as Nick just said, we are doing Dinovember. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a coloring contest for kids 0 to 10. There are two different coloring sheets. You can take them home. You can color them here. Return them to the children's desk with the kid's name on the back, and uh, we'll vote. The Last year I had the staff vote. I think we'll do that again okay. on our favorites in each, and then they were able to win a prize. Nice. Um, yeah, listen, kids, I'm going for accuracy, not so much true. abstraction, okay? That's true. So He's good to know. He's not about the blue dinosaur. Yeah, lizard, yeah. You know? if you've got, if you've colored a dinosaur and it's eight different, yeah, don't, don't draw the dinosaur, color the dinosaur, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. That's what I want to see. That's all. Um, so, November Coloring Contest, Dino Day is this Saturday. Ooh. We're going to have a couple of dinosaur stories, um, crafts, maybe a little snack. And uh, just have a good time. That's 11 o'clock this Saturday, November 16th. And then I will have a grateful story time after Thanksgiving um, on Saturday, November 30th, also at 11 a.m. We'll make some crafts, have some fun, read some stories, play a game maybe. Again, just another little opportunity. I know a lot of people have stuff going on, sports, school, work. So we're trying to do a little bit more on Saturday. And those are what I've got for November. Nice. Well, I think that's going to do it for episode 220. We're going to be at Nyla, and so we'll have to do a special travelog episode. Travelog episode! We did, what was uh, the song I used again? Uh, I don't remember. The awards theme? We'll have to go back. We'll yeah. go. Through the ages? Yeah, that, I'm kind of marching with it. No, that's Sexy New Book Club, actually. Oh, you know what? Wow, yeah. wow, wow, that's X-Men. Our thanks again to Ben Lehman for all the music you've heard here in the All the Book Show. That's going to do it for this week. We'll see you next time.